hold on a second Put down your phone Welcome to the feckin' check-in show We might be playing Tekken in the techno drone With Shredder and Spencer but never Donatello The boys are back in town again Shenanigans from QO Man the listener can't stop panicking Now tell your friends To listen to the sound of us Pissing in the wind And if you feel like joining in Then do it for the win The sun shines But I find myself in isolation But fear not We've got beer at the cooking station Audio and video flows Are coming for you The trainer at Jimmy's show It's cameras action do The feckin' check-in So check your feckin' pulses Lentils, soybeans, chickpeas Whatever indulgence Takes your fancy snakes, ladders Or piss politics Just sit back and relax we got your weekly fix It's the feckin' check-in show Welcome to the feckin' check-in show It's the feckin' check-in show Welcome to the feckin' check-in show It's the feckin' check-in show It's the feckin' check-in show it's camera sack, it's camera sack, it's camera sack should do. It's camera sack, it's camera sack, it's camera sack should do. It's camera sack, it's camera sack, it's camera sack should do. It's camera sack should do. Alright, Feckamaniacs, welcome to episode 10 of the Feckin' Check In. I'm Trainer, and with me, as always, is my co host, Toomey. How are you doing this Saturday afternoon, Toomey? Good morning, Trainer. Yes, Saturday afternoon. I was in at the shops very briefly with Liz buying a present. Yeah. Oh, got queues and shopping. I hate shopping, just for the record. Uh, online shopping for me. Um, the only thing I'm not comfortable with buying online is runners or shoes. Um, I feel like I need to try them on because I have size 12s and I just don't trust the size 12 people out there <laughs> people who'd have you believe that their runners are size 12 but when they're when you try them on they're actually not they're liars uh, i have a similar mistrust of buying shoes online and that m- makes me never buy shoes uh, because i don't like to go shopping so i just put it off and put it off all right yeah well i'm i'm in a situation now where i need to find myself a pair of cheap runners so i might venture to pennies or something i have nice fancier runners that i don't want to wreck i'd wear them out you know out out um and then i have shi- shite ones for running in the gym but i need an in-between pair and my in-between pair have holes in them at the moment yeah I mean, normally i'd say go to pennies for that but the cues i've seen on social media for that are pretty horrendous don't know if you've seen yeah them. Yeah, I know. And I was nearly thinking of buying shit online then. And then I was like, no, there's a reason you don't buy runners online because, you know, you don't trust the sizes. But anyway, <laughs> yes. there you have it. <laughs> Indeed. Um, so how are you? What's up with you this Saturday morning? Nothing much, really. Yeah, just a standard weekend. Um, usual week of work and then the kind of mild feeling of celebration that isn't quite what it used to be of being off for the weekend. Um, yes. Used to be a much greater feeling of celebration when you were leaving the office on a Friday. But yeah, no, usual, grand week. Actually, do you know what? I've been watching uh, Peaky Blinders uh, on season five now at the moment. Uh, have you watched that? Yeah, I have. I, I definitely watched the first three series and I, I couldn't get it. Uh, it wasn't on Netflix at the time when I was watching it. Um, I was going through a downloading phase, so I didn't quite finish it. But it's, it's good. It held my attention. I, th- I thought it was good. But go on. Yeah. I, I, initially I wasn't too into it then I got really into it and then fucking Aidan Gillen came into it <laughs> oh no I, I wasn't there when he came oh he snuck in they ah. snuck him into it he fucking he, he gets into everything I've noticed he, he gets his fucking paws on everything uh, and, and just comes in and ruins it like and, and I, I, like, like he was in The Wire he was in fucking Love Hate he was in uh, Game of Thrones oh Game of Thrones I, I just find him so not believable like I, I anytime he's on the screen i just feel like i'm watching an actor did, did you ever get that with anybody well i definitely get it with with aiden gillen um i don't think he quite fit the love hate 
Uh, he was... I do not think he fit love hate at all. You've got all these rough, fucking gritty gangsters uh, in like inner city Dublin, North Dublin, going around fucking shooting people and dealing drugs, and then they're like the top of this gang of criminals is this suave smooth fucking actor <laughs> yeah <laughs> he does look like he's acting yeah because that's how he comes across he's like i'm an actor <laughs> yeah and his accent wasn't really a, i don't know what his accent was in love hate it was oh i don't know i never know what his accent is what was he supposed to be in game of thrones he's like sansha sansha <laughs> have you got the latest copy of the rt guy <laughs> i'm on page 27 i did an interview you see because I'm an actor myself. Come into my castle and marry the boy. Or something like that. <laughs> what? There was anyway, some sort of fucking... storyline where he was trying to get her to marry a, a boy, I believe. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah. But he stuck his oar into um, Peaky Blinders now. I, I was crestfallen when I saw his fucking visage popping up on the uh, on the preview for season four. I was like, for fuck's sake, <laughs> Gillen, will you just piss off? Now I was enjoying this. <laughs> ah, crestfallen is a good word. Yeah, but he's 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 not too bad. It's just it's the grimaces with his mouth. I think are the the most um, unsettling thing. It just takes me out of it. It's like, and he, he he might be saying the word yes, and he just does this grimace with his mouth, and it's like you don't need to show me all forty seven of your teeth <laughs> when you're saying the word yes. There's a lot of talking out the side of his mouth as well. Yeah, oh, just fucking, I don't know. Oh, I just he takes me out of the moment. Uh, when I'm watching something, anyway. And anyway, that's what I've been doing. Watching, otherwise, Peaky Blinders is excellent, I find. So, there you go. Absolutely. All right, we'll be we get cracking. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, it's the feckin' check-in. And being that it is that, and that's what this is, <laughs> let's start with uh, F. Although, we have a bit of a format change this week. So, rather than having eight segments in the show, which can be quite difficult to get both of our heads around... We have decided to discuss four effects, so not one each of each letter, but a combined F, combined E, C and K, where we'll both discuss them, uh, maybe in a lengthier discussion than normal. Um, and then we're going to, we're just trying this out, we're trying out this format, seeing if it's any better, because we found we were kind of rushing topics in, and then when you're trying to, like, write about the episode or promote it on social media, you're trying to list, like, the eight things you talk about, and it's just kind of a fucking, I don't know, there's far too much sometimes involved, I think. Um, so we're going to try out four topics this time instead. Absolutely. And moving on to those four combined topics, the first letter of the FEC acronym stands for Funny Observations. And, trainer, will you lead us out with your Funny Observation of the Week? Yes, so this is an observation of mine where I was made to look a fool. <laughs> uh, so I, I went for a walk after work there uh, during the week, and I was walking up the canal, so from Ashdown up, up towards, I actually went up towards Cool Mine, it was a long walk. But about halfway through the walk, I was on my own, I was wearing a pair of jeans and an Iron Maiden t-shirt, which will become relevant in a second. Um, it was a sunny day, and I was just walking along in my t-shirt up along the canal. Um, and there was this group of teenage girls, about four of them, and I was—I had my earphones in, I was listening to a podcast, but it was low enough for me to kind of hear what they were saying. 
And as I was walking by, I was like, in my head, these these are going to say something to me. I can just tell. I can tell they're going to say something to me. Like, they're going to shout something at me, right? And lo and behold, as I was approaching them, I was heckled. And your one was like, hey, you, 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 yeah, you, you, you. I didn't look back at them or anything. But she's like, you, Iron Maiden are shy. I'm sorry, but they're shy. Their music is shy. Hey, you, you, you. And then I kind of, I was out of earshot then. And I just felt like such a fucking idiot. <laughs> like, p- part of me wanted to turn around and say, what the fuck is your, pro- is your problem? Why do you feel the need to shout something at me because I'm walking on my own? If I was walking with two or three other people, you wouldn't say anything to me. Who are you trying to impress? What's the, what's the reason for this? But of course, if you were to go up to a group of teenage girls and start saying things like that, firstly, you'd look like a maniac. Uh, and secondly, you'd open yourself up to even more ridicule because you've taken the bait and then they'd all be on top of you. But this wasn't an isolated incident. This is the second time that that had happened to me in the space of about five days. Um, I was going to my local centre there, which is featured on the podcast many times. Um, and uh, it was a group of boys and girls, boys and girls, boys uh, and male, girls. Male, male and female teenagers. And um, I was walking by this time, listening to music, and I couldn't quite hear what they were saying. But the minute they started walking by, they started shouting shit at me. And I just, you just want to turn around and say, fuck off. <laughs> what the fuck is your problem? Like, uh, But like, you, you, I, I'm at that point now where I'm at an age where I'm like mid-30s. Uh, clearly, like I'm a target for this. Like It's open season on solo mid-30s people walking around who obviously don't look intimidating enough not to heckle. Uh, so I obviously slot into that category there. Are there illegal implications about what you do? <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Like and, and, like, if you went over and, like, you know, fucking talk down to them and told them, you know, really articulately why they were idiots, like, that still wouldn't make the situation any better. It'll still probably happen again the next time. Like, so... <laughs> It's just, I just, you just feel like really stupid. Like there's, there's no way you can come out of it looking good. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I think there's, there's actually three categories of options, uh, in how you could respond. So if we treat them as their children, <laughs> we agree on that. Yeah. They were children. Yeah. They're, they were they're children. mid-teens. Mid-teens. So we're counting them as under 18 children. So you, in response to that, you've three options. You can respond to them like a child. You can respond to them like a parent or you can respond to them like an adult. Or actually, there's a fourth option is just to say nothing and walk on. That's what I did. But what, elaborate on those options there. So if you respond like a child, that would be shouting back at them, slagging them back, telling them Iron Maiden are better than anything you've done or something. Like <laughs> <laughs> anything you've done in your crummy little life. Yeah. <laughs> You could respond like a parent, which is critical. You really shouldn't do this. You shouldn't be doing that to people who walk by. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to talk to your mother about this. I don't know right. what, what voice that is. And then the it's, adult... It's something. <laughs> yeah. And then the adult is uh, to treat... It's like you're respecting them and you're, you're treating them like an adult. So you're communicating to them in a controlled way where you're getting your, your point across. So it's like something I would imagine like this. Um, I don't know why you're doing that. Uh, you shouldn't, or that's, that's a bit silly. Um, see you later. So something like that where you're in <laughs> yeah. control. I don't know exactly what you'd say, but I think there's three options. Uh, I find it a useful uh, way to conceptualize how you can respond to people in relationships and incidents. 
Mm. Well, I, I just went for the fourth option and pretended not to hear them. And I felt like a twerp. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, do you know what? I, then afterwards, I was thinking back, like, you know, romanticizing. Like, I never used to do anything like that when I was young. And I did loads of that type of shit when I was young. So, like, many, many different examples from prank phone calls to heckling people on the street for no reason in groups. Like, it's the exact same stuff. Um, and, like, worse things than that. I'm not, I'm not even going to go into them. But, like, I, I, yeah, so I was like, actually, no, you did the same shit. Uh, it's obviously just a rite of passage or a coming-of-age thing. Or you're just showing off to your friends. And don't take it so personally, you twat. Uh, but. <laughs> but that, up until the word twat, is the adult mode where you're, you're reasoning and you're respecting them. You're almost treating yeah. them like an adult. And I think they're not... Not, pretending not to hear is actually a really good option but the downside of that is you can feel the rage inside and it can replay in your mind later on that day yeah or even six years later <laughs> yeah and you, you feel powerless and that's the only thing like because you haven't done anything um so yeah. you've just ignored it and then when i was walking back from the center at the, the the after the first incident i walked down through the underground car park on the way back to avoid them <laughs> so i <laughs> I didn't want to be heckled again. I didn't. I didn't want to. Well, you'd set your stall out that you were going for the not here option, the the kind of avoidance of them. Which is but uh, sorry, has this happened to you anytime recently, or, or can you relate to this? Yeah, absolutely. I relate to it in two ways. One is is to do with uh, road rage. It's like we were talking oh, yeah. about this. Road rage. You give me road rage. Um, <laughs> so it's that similar rage when you feel somebody has slighted you or wronged you. And you feel a sense of injustice that you're made to feel small. Um, and you feel I feel that rage inside me that I want to get this person back somehow. So I can completely yeah. identify with that. But then you really have to keep that in control um, because that will get you into, into trouble. Um, and it can actually make you more angry. If you, if you respond to them with rage, then you're just going to get more angry and you're probably going to say more things that you're going to regret. Um, yeah. So I try not to go for that, but I definitely feel it. And then the, the other um, more directly relevant example from my life of being heckled is I was jogging. I lived in Southampton for three years, and one day I was jogging through the university on my own. I already felt a bit kind of sensitive, as Doctor Phil would say, because I, did, I, I didn't know many <laughs> you people. Should, you should have brought a serum. With yeah, you. I didn't have my serum on my forehead. Uh, so I was running through and I had my headphones on, but there was a group of, I'd say, five or six uh, teenage boys just started running after me. And I started off with a ha ha ha, like uh, giving them like, oh, they're, they're just doing a funny joke and I'll laugh it off. But they started like getting more like teasy and heckly. And I couldn't mm. quite hear what they were saying because I had my headphones in, but they were trying deliberately to to piss me off or to get a rise out of me. So I decided I was actually I got very angry and I decided to run off really fast. Like to teach them a lesson in my head it made sense i'm going to show them that i can run faster than them <laughs> <laughs> so I, I sprinted off and that'll learn them <laughs> yeah i sprinted off and i lost nearly all of all of the party uh, but there was this one boy following me and we'd gone away from the university at this stage and it was just very strange he kept following me for about two minutes it was just me and him and i was thinking this has now gone very weird. That's quite kind of intimidating, and to be to be fair, like what the yeah. fuck was he doing? Like, there's heckling, and then there's that's that's a bit mental. To, keeping it up for that length of time to go off on your own away from the heckling group, like he's no longer showing off in front of the group. He's, <laughs> but I don't know if he he didn't realize he was on his own because, I, like, I kept running for about two minutes more, and then he left. Right. Um. But that was that was my kind of a similar <laughs> incident to you. But do you ever watch Peep Show? 
yeah. TV show. Yeah. So there's a scene in that in one of the earlier seasons where Mark Carrigan um, is going out from his flat to the shop or something. And this group of teenagers starts heckling him and they're like, hey, clean shirt. <laughs> and like, he's like, what? Cleage. Like he's thinking in his head, clean shirt. How can that possibly be a put down? <laughs> but they just start saying, hey, clean shirt, clean shirt. <laughs> and uh, so he starts getting really intimidated and like trying to avoid them and all that. But it eventually turns into them shouting at him that he's a pedo <laughs> later <laughs> on in the episode. And he's like, I am not a pedo. <laughs> but, uh, that's kind of what you're up against. Like if you did re- reply to them or respond to them, imagine they just started shouting that back at you. Like it's yeah. checkmate there, even if you're not a pedo. They would escalate it. And remember, they can do what they want they can shout at you they could throw stuff at you they could maybe kick you in the legs like sometimes little shits do they've carte blanche to do whatever the fuck they want <laughs> it reminds me actually we did a gig as when we were in a rap group or oh yeah, yeah. And, uh, i don't know if we're still in a rap group but when we were rapping Ooh. when we were active rappers uh that we did a gig in the international uh downstairs and uh there wasn't many people at the gig and then uh, a group of welsh uh gentlemen came in who were on a stag and they were like that type of thing and also shouting at us that we were shit shouting at us (laughs) that we were shit (laughs) and like saying let let my mate do a rap and all this oh fuck yeah I remember that yeah but your response to that was actually to uh, take the piss out of them with the microphone in your hand which you achieved and you performed the raps as loud as you could into their faces. I actually, I went into Al Pacino mode as well and I did an impression relating back to last week's episode from Glen Gary, Glen Ross. And I went, oh, what a big man you are. I'll buy you a stick of gum and I'll teach you how to chew it. Yeah. <laughs> and your man's, the look on your man's face was like, fuck, <laughs> I don't have any comeback to that. Yeah. He wasn't expecting it because you literally got off the stage, brought the microphone down with you and started rapping into their face, shouting into their face, and doing Al Pacino impressions into their face. But you're also doing it in a humorous way that was making them laugh. And over time, you actually gained their respect. We, we won them over by the end of the night. We were fucking best mates with them all. Uh, the yeah, the they were eating out of your hand. Now, I have to admit, I kind of ignored them for the most part. The only time I engaged with them was when this guy got up on stage and challenged me to a rap battle. Um mm. You kicked his ass. I kicked his right. ass in the rap battle. So that was I. I thought that was the final blow for the this crowd crowd of people. And by the end, they were like, "How are you? How are you doing? <laughs> yes. Where should uh, we go in Dublin? No, they don't. I don't know what accent I'm doing there. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I think you do as well. Um, we have to. You have to turn. Like, sorry, you have to make a decision on on the. What am I trying to say? It's like a split second decision is what I'm trying to say. Sorry. So like you can go one of two or three ways as we discussed. So I went for the aggressor role in that situation. But being on stage gives you a lot of power. Um, being a solo walking 34 year old male up a canal doesn't give you too much power. Exactly. Like a comedian would respond to a heckler at a show. But it's completely different in day to day life. Without the props and the setting around. All right. It. Well, very, very good. there you have it anyway. That's the uh, the story of me being a, a, a fucking. Accosted. What? No, yeah, but what I was kind of think a, a something of ridicule. Um, subject? Subject of ridicule. There we have it. Okay. So that's uh, the F for this week. So we're going to move on now to E. It's entertainment. Why don't you tell the listener to me what this week's... This week. What this... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I forgot how large my tongue was there in my mouth. Uh, what this week's entertainment point is. This week's entertainment is a completely hot topic, current relevant issue... Uh, it is Ronan Keating doing cover versions. 
Yes. Okay. So this is like uh, culturally relevant 25 years ago, <laughs> but we're going to talk about it in 2020 because fuck it. But no, what what we actually did start talking about was maybe let's do, um, we're, we, we were enjoying the list based articles. So um, the list of like the put downs in TV and film and the list of missaid phrases and stuff. So you're thinking maybe we do a list of the top five songs ruined by boy bands. And it just turns out that they're all Ronan Keating. <laughs> yeah. So this is not a personal attack on, on Ronan Keating. It's just, it just the way the cards fell in this instance. Yeah, it's um, our, our hands were tied. Yeah. So what we have now are the top five songs ruined by Ronan Keating or his band Boyzone in cover songs. Yeah, and there were a lot to choose from. But we whittled it down to five. Yeah. So what we're going to do is we're going to play a little clip of the songs and then we're going to reflect on each song and we're going to have to five to one. Starting at number five, we have When the Going Gets Tough. Okay, so um, this fits nicely into that category of Ronan Keating impersonations in that he's like, when the going gets tough, I got something to see. <laughs> so you've got those SHs featuring very prominently, and that's that's what everyone likes to, uh, if, like, that's that's the part of Ronan Keating's vocal delivery that everyone likes to exaggerate when they do an impression, but that song really does have it. It <laughs> it's really everywhere. Does. What was this Boyzone or Ronan on his solo? It was Boyzone. I think they did it as a charity single or something, uh, if I recall correctly. And the original version is by Billy Ocean, who's somebody I haven't really ever listened to, and I don't, I can't say that I have much love for the original song. So this one to me isn't as um, offensive uh, a cover version, but it, it just it does feature that SH sound uh, prominently. He's, he's at his best here, and it was, it's always been puzzling about Ronan Keating. Where did he get this sort of country? singer drawl in his in his voice was he told to do that or is that or did louis walsh tell him to do that or does he put that on or is it natural i i have an opinion on that and i might talk about it a bit more later but i think that this was manufactured so why don't we move on to number four and the tension is building as we move through this list and this of course is baby can i hold you which was original song by trainer Tracy Chapman. Excellent. Okay, yeah, so a clip of Baby Can I Hold You there from Ronan Keating, uh, sorry, from Boyzone, uh, featuring Ronan Keating as a singer. So, yeah, this is an example of, like, a band just 
doing a fucking cover for the sake of it maybe a song that people have forgotten about because it's maybe 15 years old at that time they're like ah fuck it we'll get boys on to do it to do it but like that song by tracy chapman was on her debut album which was like full of political social type of lyrics and themes like full of like uh, stories about racism it's like steeped in grit and that song was like a ballad in the sea of like uh tense kind of other songs and with boys on it's just a ballad in a sea of ballads so it, it doesn't stand out from anything they've ever done um because if you listen to one of their albums it's just ballads fucking front to back whereas with tracy chapman that was like a, a moment of respite in an otherwise quite tense and uh serious album so it was a nice thing to break it up whereas with boys on it's just like ah fuck it we'll do this one it doesn't matter about the context of the original song let's just cover it yeah and i think most people listening would probably be familiar with or most irish people would probably be more familiar with the um the boys own version and the tracy chapman version you should go back and listen to it listener uh because there's a lot of an emotion in it there's a lot of different ways tracy sings uh in that and it's just that's just completely missing from the boys own version yeah sincerity you might say that's the word <laughs> sincerity authenticity okay and it's beginning to increase the intensity of, of like of like how meaningful the songs are and the types of songs being ruined so now we're going to move on to some important songs being ruined the original version turned out to be uh, one of our favourite songs uh, by Cat Stevens and that's Father and Son but let's hear Boyzone's version of it I was once like you are now And I know that it's not easier to become When you found something going on Take your time, think a lot Think of everything you've got For you will still be here tomorrow But your dreams may not Explain when I do, it turns away again. It's always been the same, same old story. From the moment I could talk, I was ordered to listen. Now there's a way, and I know that I have to go away. I know I have to. It's not time to make a change Just sit down and take it slowly You're still young, that's your fault There's so much you have to go through Find a girl, settle down So you want, you can marry Look at me, I am old Okay, yeah, so there's Boyzone's version of Father and Son. So this is one of my favourite songs ever, and we discussed this on Open Us. Uh, I love the um, the change in tone and the shift in vocal uh, style when the original song, in when in the original song, Cat Stevens switches between the characters of father and son. Of course, all of that was just completely wiped from the Boyzone version because Ronan Keating just sings in the exact same manner uh, when he's speaking the lines of the father and of the son and he doesn't emphasise any words, especially on particular lines that are really important in the original song, like uh, 
from the moment I could talk, I was ordered to listen. There's absolutely no emphasis put on that sentence. So it just sounds like another bland line and another bland song from another boy band. Um, and the the awful piano arrangement on it as well. It's just like, it's just pop. That's it. Like It's just pure pop. Whereas with Cat Stevens, it was like folk and there was a message to it. Um, and it was like, the lyrics were quite cutting. Whereas this is just, uh, ah, just fucking whitewash it with, just bullshit arrangement, awful piano, and yeah, just release it as a single. And the bullshit arrangement uh, at its worst is when he he just does the first verse and then does the chorus repeatedly over and over again. He mixes up the changes the lyrics to different parts. I know. Uh, now I have to say he does do it later on on a solo album, and he does it with Use of Islam, which who is Cat Stevens. That's what he changed his name to, and it's actually way better. And he sings it properly, and he does change his voice, and he emphasizes the lines, and it's a guitar. Uh, backing track rather than uh, kind of synthesized piano sounding stuff um, and it, it's much much better so it just goes to show you that he can actually sing and he does understand the song I would say uh, but I would imagine with Boys On it was just utterly and completely manufactured and they just watered it down to the most bass level pop track and I would I would imagine that he is he, like he's given direction to sing in a particular way and they strip everything out of it that's authentic and they strip everything out of it that makes it uh in any way kind of not mainstream and then they just release those songs like one after the other after the other and i think that just goes to speak to the nature of manufactured pop they, they strip everything that has any character out of the song and leave the melody and that's about it yeah and it's hard not to resent what they did to these great songs like stripping all the authenticity out of them um but as you're saying there ronan keating probably had a very limited role in the destruction of this song in fairness to yeah him. definitely completely manufactured definitely because as i said if you listen to the other version with the use of islam he can definitely sing if he wants to or if he's allowed to i'd say if the shackles are taken off but uh, in this instance he wasn't allowed to full-on shackle and yeah it's a it's a turd well that's a fair enough like we're, we're not putting the blame on ronan keating and he did go back to rectify this later in his career okay but still a terrible song to or a brilliant song to ruin which is terrible um so on to number two in the list and this is probably not that well known for ronan keating this is probably one of the most iconic irish songs of all time and arguably the best certainly in my opinion the best christmas song of all time written of course by the pogues and um played every christmas in every irish household the the original version version it's hard course. to say original version <laughs> I, I nearly fucked Let's it up there, so. yeah it is original version <laughs> original version original version and that is the fairy tale of new york cars because bars they've got rivers of gold but the wind goes right through you it's no place for the old when you first took my hand on a cold christmas eve you promised me broadway was waiting for me you are pretty queen of New York City When, when the, the band finished playing They held out for more Sinatra was swinging All the drums they were singing We kissed on a Then danced through the night The boys of the NY Pretty choir Were singing Galway Bay And the bells were ringing out For Christmas Day Lying there almost dead on a trip in that bed You scumbag, you my 
ticket, you're cheap and you're haggard. Happy Christmas, you're our sight God, it's our last. The boys of the NYPD choir still singing, away bay, and the bells are ringing out. Now we let him off the hook the last time. <laughs> I know, but that, that this version is an abortion, I think, is the only way you can put it. The way, the, what stands out for me for this is that uh, once it goes into the fast-paced bit, where he goes, you've got figures, of coal. He puts on, <laughs> it's, it's almost as if he's having sex. And he's like, <laughs> He puts on this rasp with all the authenticity of a telesales agent trying to fucking sell you something. He seems uncomfortable. Putting on yeah, that rest. Definitely, like, he, he's no shame to go on, like, let's be honest. Uh, yeah, but uh, I, I, I really, I, like, I know the language is not pretty or pleasant or it's not words that people would use anymore, but I, I'd hate when people change lyrics of well-known songs. They obviously took out the, you scumbaggy maggot, you cheap lazy faggot, and they put in, you're cheap and you're haggard. Come on. Mm. I think that became the standard replacement in various versions of this song. That were really, well, like it was covers. never edited into the into the original song. No, uh, no, not the original. And there was a whole big furore, furore. I don't know what that word is. Furore, somebody, yeah, furore. Yeah, is one of those words that's come in recently. Yeah. I don't know if I'm saying it properly. Anyway, there was a big deal made about a lot of these songs. Uh, I think it was last Christmas. Whether we should keep the originals or change them or never play them again. And uh, I don't really know the answer to that, but this just sounds outrageous. <laughs> they say you're cheap and you're haggard. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, oh, it's one it's, of those. It made me feel dirty. Whereas you're an old slut on junk is still permissible. And hearing Ronan Keating say that, you're an old slut on junk. You're a slut on junk. That's okay. <laughs> it just doesn't, it's just not believable at all. But that's ridiculous to leave in your slut. A woman who is uh, promiscuous and you are taking drugs. I always took that to mean. Yeah, and junkies being a derogatory uh, term, obviously. So that's that's probably more offensive. Okay, I think it's time to move on to number one in the top five Ronan Keating uh, destruction of original songs. And this, of course, is only words. It's only words. Uh, here we go. Words by Ronald King. Smile, a never-lasting smile. A smile can bring you near to me. Don't ever let me find you gone. Cause that would bring a tear to me. I actually think this isn't that bad at all. This is actually quite a good version of the song. Uh, it was originally a Bee Gees song, and it was out in the like sixties before they went all disco. Um, and I think this is nearly better than than the original Bee Gees song. Uh, in my memory of this song, I had 
a memory of him saying a lot of SHs like that. It's only words. But when you actually listen to it, he doesn't really do that that much. So that's just my own brain playing tricks on me, um, thinking of the, the standard impression of Ronan Keating and assuming that's how he sang this. And he didn't really, in fairness. Yeah, this one, were you impressed by the way he sings it? or? Yeah, it's actually, I just thought it was quite good. It was quite well delivered and like it sounds nicely produced. Um, the original song wasn't anything to write home about i don't think anyway it was a decent ballad by the Bee Gees, but like nothing special like and it probably wouldn't have been one of their m- more popular songs at the time well it was actually number one in several countries yeah but in the 60s so they weren't as prominent back then but they did have number one singles but um yeah i'll, I'll throw ronan a bone with this one and say this is a pretty good cover version ronan and my memory of the song wasn't actually accurate you didn't actually use that sh sound like crazy on this one so fair play yeah and as our friend dara agnew would say uh i don't have a lot of gras for the original version um so this is not offensive what what ronan has done here and congratulations ronan for a good career overall i suppose (laughs) (laughs) good career overall yes okay right there we have some uh, pop music from a couple of decades ago and now for something completely different it's the song of the week so Toomey can you let the listener know what the song of the week is for this week this is a pop song from a couple of decades ago more than a couple in fact it's from 1980 it's an obscure uh, boy band song from a black group uh, of sort of R&B soul singers called the Manhattans and I would be shocked if any of the listeners have any of the or if the listener has heard this song this song uh, because it's it's an example of spotify at, at its best where it it finds a gem of a song that's uh, that you weren't searching for and it just pops up um, and it's called um shining star by the manhattans I listened to this for the first time this week. I'd never heard it before in my life, and I thought it was pretty good. Um, I don't really listen to much R&B type of stuff, so it's not something I'd normally listen to. But I have to say, I did leave the 
album that it comes from on afterwards on shuffle and listen to about seven or eight of their songs and they're actually quite a good group and it's something that i would consider maybe easy listening like we talked about on a previous episode of open us put on in the background wouldn't have to concentrate on it too much but yeah quite a good sound yeah what grabbed me uh, straight away was the simple guitar riff at the start i just found that really relaxing and it, i was just like oh that's really cool you don't really hear like simplicity like that much these days it's all this kind of effects and bass sounds so it was good to be taken back to that and then there's no messing they get straight in with the chorus at the start and i like i like the chorus the hook um it's, it's nice and simple i love like later on in the song when they get into the ad-libbing the ad and there's a nice bridge in it it's a real like classic structure of a song yeah don't bore us get to the chorus yeah exactly but this is an example actually as as the opposite of what i was saying about boys boys on ronan keating this is an example of a, a pop song that's really well structured well put together and it's like pop at its best using like all of the lessons that have been learned over the past 20 years of pop singles and crafting a, a perfectly excellent track with really good vocals and like the chorus right at you coming right at you there's no cynicism in it and the harmonies are good and the vocals are really good and yeah it's something a song i've been putting on quite a lot in the last few weeks since i've discovered it and i find myself singing along with it as well so i i think it ticks all the boxes for a good pop song let's us move on with the feck and check-in so we're up to c now and we are going to talk about video games and gaming as a hobby a pastime so um as we also discussed on an older episode of open us we were both gamers when we were younger and we don't really play gaming as much as we used to although you probably are more of a gamer than i am and we'll get to that um but when i was younger and i was growing up it was uh sega master system super nintendo n64 playstations like you'd spend hours and hours and hours gaming and usually with your friends but a lot of the time as well you'd play the one player stuff on your own for hours and it was to me it was just endless entertainment i could sit in front of a games console for the entire day sometimes and not get bored yeah, I would have had similar experiences. I can fondly remember playing Donkey Kong 3 uh, just for hours with my brother uh, over Christmas time. And of course, all the football games for someone as a, like, uh, such as myself as a football fan. Um, yeah, so I'd be the same as you with, with the memories of games. Okay, so as I've gotten older, I, start, I, I reduced the amount of time I spent gaming. So the last console I would have properly gotten into would have been the PlayStation 2 and uh, it would have been Vice City, Grand Theft Auto Vice City, I'd say was the last real game that I really immersed myself in properly and like lost myself in for days and I completed that and then I remember it was a, a long wait until San Andreas came out and when San Andreas came out, while I quite enjoyed it, it had that ship had kind of sailed for me by that point and I never completed San Andreas, even though it was a really good game but it wasn't anything too it was a, an enormous map it was an enormous like the whole san andreas with like three different cities in it whatever so it was enormous so it, it had moved um it had made like huge kind of leaps forward in that way but to me the, the kind of gameplay was almost the exact same and it was oh it's grand theft auto again but the setting was kind of not as glitzy and flashy as vice city and didn't have that 80 soundtrack to it that i think everybody loved in vice city um so i was just kind of like yeah okay and i never bothered completing it and that was it for me with video games i didn't really play much for years after that that would have been about 2006 um and i didn't own any games console after a playstation 2 and then when grand theft auto 5 came out and 
there was so much advertising, so much marketing for it. And it was like a storyline with three different characters and you can switch between them. And the whole game is set up around a number of heists. You're robbing jewelry stores, banks, that type of stuff. It's It looked so fucking sexy and impressive. And I was like, I have to own this. And then I actually ended up getting a present of a PlayStation 3 and I got Grand Theft Auto 5. And I got really into that. But the same thing happened to me again. I played it for a while. I got about 50% through it. And even though it was a fucking excellent game and the missions are like still, they still hold up to this day um, in terms of complexity and the graphics even are, are still excellent, I think. I got bored of it and I kind of stopped playing it. And uh, I eventually, I know this is quite long-winded, I apologize. I eventually started playing it again now because I was like, I'm going to fucking complete that game. That was a great game. So I started playing it. And I found the same thing kind of happened to me after a while. After a few weeks, I was like, Jesus, I'm kind of getting a bit bored of this. But I did end up completing it, I have to say. But I was I was gradually found myself getting bored of it again. And what I found I was actually getting bored of was not the game. I was getting bored of my own company and sitting there on my own for hours in a room on my own playing a video game. And when I really thought about it, what I realized was that while when I was younger, video games were an exciting, flashy, new, interesting thing, You'd often play them with your friends, but even on your own, they could entertain you for hours. I need more from my entertainment time than the loneliness that video gaming provides me. And I just found myself, I felt kind of quite lonely, actually, after a few days of just sitting there on my own playing it. And it wasn't as enjoyable as I had hoped it would be. And I just felt like as a solo pursuit, I find gaming, one player gaming, that is too lonely a pastime to spend too much time doing it yeah and back in the day uh vice city which was a major leap forward at the time there was a buzz around it our friends would have been playing it we'd be talking about it we'd be playing it in each other's houses um so there was it was kind of more of a, a communal thing even though you'd be often playing it on your own you could still talk to people about it but as you get older uh i think a lot of your friends like your in our group anyway uh stopped talking about games or stopped playing games and and nobody in our group does like online games really. Um, so, and the second thing is, I think it's much harder these days because our, our attention spans are shorter. So to focus on one game uh, for two or three hours, it seems a big commitment, especially when we're, we're uh, we have a lack of time as well in, in today's world. Yeah, it, it seems a big commitment. And if I sat there and played Grand Theft Auto for four hours, I would feel a bit guilty as well. Like, I haven't done anything else with my day. There's so many other things I could have done. Whereas I never had that guilt when I was younger. Yeah. Like, you had all that time when you were younger. and You were just... It was a good use of time to, to play GTA uh, Vice City. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, now... Yeah, I mean, the way it is now, like, we're all... Like, at our age, a lot of us are working. And it's almost like you have a certain un- amount of units of time. Like, to, to use a kind of phrase coming out of About a Boy... About yeah. a boy, yeah, I was thinking of that. Yeah. And are you going to spend all your units on your own playing games? When you like, you can only relax because you have to cook, you have to clean, you have to do something, you have to do a social event, you have to catch up on something over the weekend. You have fucking exercise. You have exercise. Yeah, we all have to be exercise pros now. We all have to be completely fit. Uh, even me, even the likes of me is exercising. <laughs> Who the fuck would have thought? Yeah. And yeah, it's it's hard to get your your adrenaline, and there's there's almost a sense of guilt. We're playing solo gaming for, for too long. Um, and you don't feel the same sense of achievement as well than if you're playing with other people. I find when you emerge from your cave after about four hours, I feel kind of emotionally and, dr- and physically drained. 
like I've just been sitting there in the dark for hours on my own, and it's I just I just found it was a bit miserable, um, and so I'd like to move on though to now say that I have never played online games really at all. Maybe spent a, a tiny bit of time doing it if I was over with you in Southampton, or I can't really think of any other though. I've never really played games against other people online, um, and I think that's where it becomes more of a social activity and far less lonely. And what I'd like maybe for you to discuss is your experience doing that, because I know you've done it, but also for both of us to discuss the fact that even though that was um, that was coming online as we were aging, it actually coincided perfectly with us getting jobs and money and being able to afford consoles. Most of our group of friends, in fact, none of us ever really got into online gaming, strangely Yeah, enough. and I think there's some complications around that because... We, we kind of branched off into different consoles. I have a big gaming PC uh, that I also use for work as well. So I'm on the PC and I download games and kind of... I, I'm set up for online gaming with other PC uh, owners. And you're set up for... Is it PlayStation 4 you have? or I have, a, I have a PlayStation 3. But as I said, I've never played the online version of anything. Yeah, so, so there's that complication. Um, it's a bit of a shame because it would be great crack. Uh, I would say about online gaming. So the only games I've played really online are football games and Tekken. Um, but I've played them quite intensely. And the one word I would sum, summarize online gaming is is adrenaline. <laughs> because you're playing with another human being. You get that competitive juices, those competitive juices flowing. And you really want to beat that person, especially in Tekken, because you end up having a lot of rematches in Tekken and you adjust your tactics and the way you fight compared to the other human being. So you got this, this you kind of get into it and you, your heart is beating really fast. You really want to win. When you win, you go, yes, yes, take that. And like it really gets you going. <laughs> and similarly with the, the football games, like I, uh, one of my things I do and when I'm playing online football is I keep possession, <laughs> I try and control the game. And that's just the way I play. I'm not doing it to, to kind of annoy the other person, but you can see the other person getting annoyed and like fouling me and stuff. And just just that, like that interaction where you're at least imagining the other person. I don't actually chat to the other person while I'm doing it, which would be the next stage. I know my friend Richard Cody does that with his group of friends. So what I wanted to ask you is, do you get a social kind of buzz out of playing with people, even if you're not chatting to them? Yeah, I feel like I'm interacting with another real human being and that I'm not doing I'm not doing something alone and I get that sense of achievement for beating that other person okay <laughs> so it's better than beating the CPU basically yeah you don't get that for beating the CPU it's much more exciting because when you're playing a human being it, they, you don't know what they're going to do and uh, they don't have those kind of algorithms that they're following on stuff so. mm, yeah like if you're getting shot at by the police in GTA 5, there's pretty easy ways to escape and avoid them. Just hide behind a trash can or whatever, and they just can't find you. <laughs> Whereas a real human man could. Yeah, but, but what I would love if our group of friends had got into online gaming and we were going around as a group, like shooting people, like, you know, those sniper games and yeah, army games. Or like, like Call of Duty or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I would have so, loved that. So I kind of get a bit envious of people who in their 30s have this regular PlayStation gaming group and are still doing group gaming sessions on like a Friday night. A part of me is envious of that, that I never got to experience that. And I think I would really enjoy that. Like those tactical type of shooting games or cooperative games or just deathmatch type games as well, where you're all playing against one another in a shoot 'em up I remember being fascinated when I was younger because I used to play Doom on the PC and Doom 2. And... Back in the very early days of online gaming, people used to play deathmatch 
doom versus one another and i used to be reading about this in magazines and think it was the most fucking like interesting and advanced thing in the world and i used to be so jealous that we didn't have the internet and i couldn't do this it just sounded like the best thing in the world and the other option was you could actually physically hook up two computers in the same room to one another using a, a network cable uh, again though you'd still have to have I don't know if you had to have, you know, you didn't have to have the internet for that. But sure, I didn't know anybody who had a PC and had Doom. Um, so I always felt like I was missing out. And I never got to experience that. Yeah, it's a real shame. And I think it, to set it up, there's a lot of infrastructure that needs to be put in place. Like, basically, you need to be on the same consoles. You need to have headsets. And you need to have the will to, to actually do that, to coordinate that amongst a group of friends. And... If you're not like a group of nerds, not using a derogatory way, but if you're not a group of nerds, then you're not all going to have PCs or the same console. So it's really hard to coordinate. That, that's how I, I've never really asked you to do it because I, I, in my head, it's just like the block. Oh, he just has a PlayStation 3 and I have a PC. So we can't, um, unfortunately. And I like everyone would have to drop a few hundred quid, buy a console, like tell their significant other to fuck off <laughs> for a few hours <laughs> and I'm taking there. this out of the wedding fund <laughs> yeah yeah and sit there gaming for a few hours like so i think with us that ship has sailed maybe now um i think it hasn't sailed but i because, but i do think it takes a significant commitment i don't think we've ever sat down and talked about it like this where where we've kind of outlined the barriers and and the benefits of it how about this, right? I'm, I'm well up for this. Now, this is not really podcast talk, but let's talk about it anyway. <laughs> I'm going to get a fucking PlayStation 5 when it comes out. <laughs> I'm okay. going to be in on the ground level. You right, get you're going to get in there straight away. You need to get one as well, though. Okay. All right, I'll we, do that. And, and in our late 30s, we can become gamers. <laughs> do you know what? I should do, I should do that, yeah. What's it, what's it going to cost? Maybe 500 quid or something. Like, that's, that's easily... You could easily save towards that over a few months. Uh, yeah let's do that here's another uh option right and i'm i'm completely with the P- ps5 as an option but here's an alternative <laughs> that suits me obviously here's what you want really <laughs> <laughs> would you be interested in getting a home pc that, that accommodates gaming for around the same price as ps5 and let me before i i finish the, the sales pitch it plays games with more power better graphics than a ps5 um there's more updates. You can get more games updated. You can update your system all the time. And it's a more of a long-term investment. So a PC can, like gaming system can last you like over 10 years. But like a PS5, like I don't know how long. That seems like it would last a bit less time. Well, the PlayStation 3 was out for a very long time. As well. When did the PlayStation 4 come out? It came out in 2013, and we're in 2020 now, and it's still the current console. That's true, yeah. Maybe yeah. it's, uh, again, we're not nerds, and if we're honest, we're not really going to be constantly updating our systems. No, and also, games take way longer to come out on the PC. Grand Theft Auto didn't come out for about a year later on the PC, um, and yeah. I think other games are similar. They're developed for the console's, first and then they worry about the pc one later and the pc one is always better in inverted commas but like i'd rather just have it in my hands okay sold i'm sold on the ps5 i i'm very happy to do that and i think it will add so much options for us i find the solo gaming is a bit lonely but i would like to try uh, group gaming online but there's a bit of an infrastructural change that has to happen there <laughs> for that to be achieved we're, we're some people for setting up uh phrases that are hard to say Infrastructure. <laughs> For some reason, it's always Northern Irish as well when you can't yeah. say it. <laughs> Absolutely.
Oh, yeah. oh, that's, that's Scottish, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Flatty. Now, um, okay, so this is the final part of the feckin' check-in. This is Kay, a kernel of truth. T- uh, tell us, to me, as you pick this one, what's the kernel of truth for this week? This week's kernel of truth is a classic one. It's each to their own. And I was thinking of this... Or to each their own as well, I think you could say. Yeah. That's kind of more common. Yeah, to each their own. Yeah, that's the, the official uh, phraseology of it. I don't know. Is that wrong? Uh, Etymology? Uh, perhaps. Maybe not. Anyway, so to each their own. Uh, I was thinking this after I was wondering, since the COVID-19, all of us working remotely, and we were discussing this before, I was thinking after COVID-19, what would people's preferences be when they go back to office work? So this is just those people who can who, who have the ability to work at home in, in certain types of jobs. Um, and that includes all of our friends, basically. Um, so I asked around in the WhatsApp group, and I also did a poll online on Twitter, and it said, to people who are able to work remotely in a post-COVID world, how many days per week would you ideally like to work from home if given all of these options? And then there was four options. It was zero days from home, one to two days from home, three to four days from home, or all five days from home. Um, so this is a full-time work scenario. And I suppose my assumption would be, from as someone who's worked at home at different periods of my life, is that why would people want to be in work more than, say, one day? Why would people, why wouldn't everyone want to work at home five days a week? But I think the COVID-19 uh, situation has brought up a range of different perspectives and individual circumstances around working from home. Uh, things like, do you have the setup at home? Um, do you, are you more productive working at home on your own? Um, do you miss the social interaction or are you trying to avoid the social interaction in my case? So when I put it out to the WhatsApp group with the lads, they all gave their opinions on their preference of the amount of days they'd like for work from home, but it was all like really individual reasons. Yeah. (laughs) And I was, I was actually shocked about how, how specific those reasons were. So it made me think like, rather than assume that everyone would have a similar opinion to me, just just to think to to each their own. Hmm. So one of my my response to that was, and it's genuine. I'm not joking. Like I would genuinely worry about my social skills if I didn't have an office to go into and people to interact with. Um, I don't have anything else really going on, like football or golf or anything like that. I do have friends, obviously. I, I don't want me to paint myself as somebody who has nothing in his life, but I just mean I don't have any group-based activities or pastimes that involve meeting up with like people on a regular weekly basis to do an activity and you can socialize with them. And work is an additional social group for me. Um, and over the last few years, I've made some quite good friends in work. I, I work on projects and by their nature, they're, they're trans- transient. So you would... Uh, meet people and then maybe never see them again but throughout these projects I have picked up a few friends over the years and stayed friends with them and uh, that to me is very valuable it's a very valuable part of my job uh, even though it's not to do with the work itself but the opportunity to meet lots of new people on a constant basis and to socialize with them and to sit with them at breakfast and to have lunch with them um, and that type of stuff uh, that is a huge thing for me because I don't have too much of that outside of work and other friend meetups um i don't have any uh like extracurricular activities if you want to put it that way yeah that makes sense and you've had a great social life in work and there's lots of people like that um and you like like being around people at work and 
and chatting to people and having the banter with people. I have always personally just found it uncomfortable socializing and work because there's always been I've always preferred to separate work from social life because I feel like the work relationships are compromised in that I would present a slightly modified version of myself. I'd be watching what I would say uh, and then there'd be drunken nights out where you go too far and you feel bad about that. And then there's all the gossip culture and work. So I was never really somebody to um, to like want to socialize a lot and work and that, that's just me and also I would run out of my social energy like throughout the working day whereas like if there was drinks after work I'd be like no chance I'm going home to recharge my batteries yeah um, fair enough so it's kind of like two completely different perspectives and mm. like that are equally valid and just going back to that poll I said to again to people who are able to work remotely in a post-covid world how many days per week would you ideally like to work from home if given all these options so with zero zero so people who would like to continue the status quo that actually got no votes it was only like 40 people voted so zero days from home four five days in the office basically yeah five days in the office nobody voted uh, to keep working five days in the office so I thought that was interesting most people would would like a mix of uh, working from home and working uh, in work um, so that kind of makes sense to me so because if you had that flexibility that mix um, then you get your social needs met and you also um, get that time at home as well yeah five days in work is not attractive anymore now that we've experienced the other end yeah, it's really interesting that that was the status quo. That's what everyone did, but nobody wants that anymore. And you would have to assume that includes managers and people in charge of the businesses as well. Well, I know from my calls that I'm on all the time during the week that that it holds up in, in the company I work for. Anyone. Anyway, sorry, nobody wants to be back in the office full time. My choice was one to two days per week, and that to me would be perfect. And what would actually be ideal for me would be ad hoc one to two days a week. So... I didn't have to commit to some rota or schedule and I could just do one or two days a week from home whenever I wanted. And obviously we've proven now from working from home that it can work. It's not exactly the same as being in the office, but it's achievable and it's not a big, huge hindrance like people might have pretended it was a few months ago to 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 not give the people the freedom that they were looking for. So I would love, yeah, one to two days like, I mean, a, a Monday and a Friday from home would be fucking brilliant, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> it would change your life, wouldn't it? To be able to change it up would be great. But if if, if offered, if, if the ad hoc thing wasn't offered and it was like, pick your two days and you have to stick with them, I would still pick two days and I would t- work two days from home and three, three inside. Yeah, and that's the way it's it's probably going to go. There's going to have to be some, some form of flexibility. So it doesn't have to be all or nothing. It doesn't have to be five days or all five five days in work or five days at home i think the the balance is in the middle and that's what like it makes sense that most people would would choose that as the preference i think yeah 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 it does and it it, i think it will happen actually i'll be quite positive about that actually happening in many workplaces and it's gonna it could change the world it makes the as we spoke about before it makes the, the city center in terms of commutes less important because it's good for the environment to have less people in work I think it actually makes your choice of where you want to live a bit different. I think with the big barrier that's been broken with the COVID and people working at home is uh, the trust of people. Now there's people know we can all work from home. So your boss trusts you to work from home. And I think that was a major barrier. I think that was there was just some sort of stigma or like an assumption that people aren't going to work as hard at home. Yeah, there was 100%. I think that was the main reason why people weren't being allowed to work from home. And now that we've been forced into it and stuff is still happening, 
people kind of have to accept it now. They, they've no excuse to fall back on now. The people who don't want this to happen, they can't really, they've no evidence to present, really. Exactly. And in some cases, people are working harder at home because you can squeeze in more Zoom meetings and things like that uh, into your day. So it opens up the possibility for those big tech firms who have people from all over Europe, like the sort of the elites from all over Europe, from Spain and Germany and the UK. A lot of people in a big tech firm I'm aware of are actually working from those countries. So their job is based in Dublin, but they're gone back to Spain to their family or or Germany or England. And they're able to do their job the exact same, to the exact same efficiency from those different countries. Yeah, sure. One of our friends was doing that recently. Uh, he lives over in Sweden. Uh, he was on a podcast, Kevin Daly. He's working remotely from Sweden to his office in Liverpool uh, for, for a long time, uh, which shows that that can be done as well. Yeah, I think it's, and that's actually using the power of the internet. And if that became the norm in, in 20 years, are we all going to be in, like, in Spain or something? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, who knows? Yeah, fucking hell. But the option to base yourself in a, anywhere in the world and, and, and log in is there without affecting your work performance. Interesting times ahead. Okay, so let us just give a little hint that next week we are going to have quite a different episode. Uh, we're going to have a very special guest, but we don't know... <laughs> if they're going to show up <laughs> but not that but we don't know the exact for we don't know the exact format of the episode because there's a bit of negotiation back and forth also we don't want to say who it is in case it doesn't happen because it hasn't been recorded yet so let us just say that if all goes to plan we're going to have a very 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 special guest that's three varies that's one more than <laughs> tony kelly uh so <laughs> very 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 special guest uh that is going to be on the episode next week and it'll be a completely different episode like nothing you've ever heard from the feckin' check-in so keep an eye out for that one we're shocked we got this person we're very surprised and we're very grateful for that person to give up their time yes exactly okay got all the pronouns right right <laughs> yes you did you, you really nailed that one there okay so let's not uh, say anything more about that but please do listen next week you can find us on twitter at feckin check-in also on facebook at feckin check-in and if you want to contact us via email it's feckin check-in at gmail.com that's everything for this week to me do you have any final words for the listening feck off oh yeah boy yeah.